Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. We're getting ready for Agile 2017, and Leading Agile is going to have a, a number of people speaking. Um, Rick Austin is one of them, and he's here right now. So, Rick, thank you for taking time out of your Friday. Sure, Dave. I'm, uh, a Friday's a good day to do this. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> it's the weekend. Cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. So on Tuesday, August 8th at 1045, you're going to be giving a talk called Portfolio Management in an Agile World. Um, do you want can you, before I start digging in and asking you questions about it, do you want to give like a quick synopsis of what the talk is about? Yeah, so so a lot of times when we work with organizations that are transforming to agile, um, especially larger organizations, they have a, a pretty uh, um, interesting portfolio management process, which is probably more aligned with waterfall type of development. And so one of the big questions we have is how do we change portfolio management to allow us to be more dynamic, more adaptable, and, and how do we understand uh, uh, demand management and things like that? So uh, so the talk is going to cover a, a couple of areas to help us understand the connection between portfolio management and what that means in an agile world. So do you think that, I mean, if an organization has decided to adopt Agile, do you think, and let's say they have Waterfall and Agile in the same place, um, do you think that, that does, it, does that necessitate a shift in how you look at governance and prioritization and everything across the organization, or do we need to find a way to get Agile to adjust to the traditional way? I think it depends upon the organization. We've seen, you know, we've been in organizations where uh, we did not have the influence to change the portfolio management function. So there's an impedance mismatch and we just have to manage that. Uh, but usually after we've proven this approach works, uh, then we have the ability to start to influence the portfolio management tier and, and make some changes there to better support a more adaptive model. Okay. And who, who leads that effort? Is it going to come out of the PMO or is it like a senior leadership thing? Like, is there a place where it begins, I guess, is the question. Yeah, typically, um, I, I think it, it just depends upon the organization. You know, all organizations are slightly different. Um, if you, you if you have a stakeholder in the PMO that's embracing this change and assisting with this change, then then we would leverage that person. A lot of times it's, it's the business executives that, who understand that we have to change the way we work from a from a company standpoint, and they have enough influence to affect that kind of change. Okay. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was governance. So I know that for a lot of the organizations, especially some of the older organizations, maybe it's regulated or it's a bank or something like that, where they've, they've put all this time and effort and years and years and years into these really kind of set ways of governing the work. Um what kind of I mean, without giving it all away can you can you kind of touch on one or two of the things you're going to talk about in your session about how governance has to adjust to support agile yeah so there's a number of areas that we'll talk about during um agile 2017 but but one area is prioritization um how do we think about prioritization and how do we make good decisions um you know it's interesting we lay out maybe these roadmaps um, and, and sometimes organizations will create these roadmaps and they're very brittle. We create a very uh, hard change management process around them. So we're unable to change those roadmaps. But in a lot of organizations, there there's a lot of changes happening in the market. They have to be a little more responsive than that. 
And so to do that, we have to have meaningful conversations about what we can change. And so prioritization uh, is, is a process we can use to do that. There's certain types of input, uh, maybe value of this thing that we're looking at, uh, the cost of what it uh, takes to deliver this, uh, the size of the effort to deliver it as well. And so using some inputs uh, into some formula, uh, maybe you know weighted uh, shortest job first might be something an organization would use. Um, and it's 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 input, right? Um, I've worked with organizations where we would set up uh, weighted shortest job first, and it's almost like we check our brains at the door. Well, now we'll just let that formula make decisions for us. Uh, all yeah. this stuff is just helping expand our horizons and knowledge about the decision making process. But in the end, as people, we still have to make business decisions. So I find that I mean. Coming into learning about cost of delay and weighted shortest job, there's something to me that's very appealing about the fact that you can reduce the decision making down to math. Because that, and I love that idea because it takes a lot of the pressure off the product owner and removes a lot of the political battles in an organization. But when I've been kind of led through the exercises that you do to actually put those things in play, what you just described is what happens. It doesn't give you a clear answer, it gives you like a yeah, but I don't agree with that anyway. I want to yeah. do my thing. And it forces yeah, right. people to have hopefully more intelligent battles, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it, it, it eliminates some of the emotion, though we, we don't want to eliminate all of it. Uh, we yeah. need to be passionate about the things that we feel are important. But it just it helps level the playing field, I think. Okay, so I want to switch gears and ask you about one other thing. So um, one thing that comes up a lot, at least in the classes, um, for some of the more advanced folks that take the classes I teach, they want to know how the implementation of Agile at the portfolio level is going to affect the way the work is flowing through the organization if you're trying to do the prioritization and all the other governance-related things you have to do. Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems like they're like trains that are on different size tracks, like they're just not going to fit together. Um, how, does, how does flow get affected by the implementation of Agile in a traditional organization? Yeah, so you know the, the leading agile model. One of the things that we really are is core to our belief system is this notion of having backlogs, clarity in the backlog, teams that stay together that are accountable for the work that they're doing, and then being able to demonstrate working tests of software frequently and getting feedback. And and I always always think about clarity in the backlog is how does the rest of the organization work to make sure that that we have that clarity in the backlog. So how are we flowing decisions through the organization? How are we deciding which things to focus on? What are the decisions right as we come go from idea to the details and the backlog for our teams? And so governance for me, and sometimes you hear the word governance, you think this, this very bureaucratic uh, process, but we think about it in a very lightweight manner and it just helps us make the right decisions at the right time. And so we're progressively making good decisions about these things that might be considered uh, until we decide to go do those things. And so there's just a flow at the portfolio. Uh, there's a flow, maybe the program or the product tier. And then um, certainly there's flow at the delivery tier as they get the work done. So are they things that run sort of uh, almost parallel? Like, I mean, you've got two different tracks of stuff there. One is more strategic and one is more tactical. Um, the two are very closely interrelated, though, correct? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's interesting because a lot of times when I go into an organization and you, you, you talk to the delivery teams um, and, and they have a backlog of work, but when you ask them, why are you doing this work? 
They don't because <laughs> they yet. told me to. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> uh, it's an order taker type thing. And and for me, uh, you know, this this whole notion of governance allows us to have context. So first we have strategic context, and then we have the context that allows us to understand what are the capabilities we need to build to make sure that we can meet our strategy and having that clarity and bringing that all the way down to the teams, I think is critically important because we've hired these, these great team members that have solved problems their whole careers and we're just telling them what to do. Yeah. Let's, let's help them understand the problem that we're trying to solve and tap into that knowledge and that passion that they have so that they can help us build better things, greater things. So does it make sense to say that um, at the team level, the individual should be in touch, so in touch with like the vision or, you know, the mission of the company, et cetera, that, that they should be able to just spit that out. And if you were in, in a way of kind of testing the fitness of the organization, walking around and spot checking people on that would be a good way of getting a sense of how much context they had, or is that too restrictive? I, I think that's a good approach. I mean, I'm working with an organization now, and, and that's one of the challenges. They're building a lot of things, but no one understands if the things they're building actually tie back to the company's goals. And yeah, I think that's yeah. that's a huge risk. Cool. All right. Thank you. I, I appreciate you kind of giving a teaser for this. So if you want to learn more about it, we don't want to give it all away. Um, Portfolio Management in Agile World on Tuesday, August 8th at 1045 at Agile 2017. You can go and you can watch Rick uh, school the room on some on what we just talked about <laughs> and a lot more. Um, I got one more question for you, Rick. So yeah. for the newcomers who are going to the conference, um, it's a long week. And, and whenever I get to interview people that have been to this before, I always try to collect information that might help new folks survive it better. So what what is one or two pieces of advice you would give to somebody who's never been before um, if you wanted to help them get the most value out of it and survive without being completely broken by the end of it? Well, the first thing I would say is be very careful about your nighttime activities. <laughs> uh, and then and then also just pace yourself and, and understand what your goals are coming into the conference, what you're trying to learn for yourself, for your organization, and just map out a strategy to make sure you're, you're hitting the right types of sessions that, that help meet that need. Cool. All right. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, and if you're at the conference, please come by and say hi to us, all of us leading Agile folks who will be walking around. And thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave.